God is good. All the time. time. It's so good to be gathered together in the house of the Lord online. We're glad you're here watching us now or later on when you're watching this morning. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Holy God, it's good to be in your presence. Uh, Forgive us that we sometimes wait till Sunday to hang out with you. Uh, Lord, you're always there, so uh, we're showing up this morning, but uh, help us this week to show up sometime with you too. Lord, as we come, we recognize the burdens that are carried. And so we pray this morning may offer us uh, not just an outlet, but offer us an opportunity uh, to know uh, who you are and the promise that you make uh, to carry those with us. So Lord, uh, steer us to you. Uh, set my voice aside that you may be heard clearly this morning. In your name we pray. So what's up with the weather? Any ideas? Two Sundays ago, we had quite a storm. 100,000 people were without electricity, and we were some of those. Last Sunday, more storms. More people were without electricity. This time, hopefully, it was only about 24 hours. This afternoon, we're having a storm, but hopefully we'll be okay. I can't predict that either. You know who my heart really has gone out to in this time? It's the frontline workers. It's the MLGW workers, the crews from out of town, the others who support that have turned our electricity back on, working in 100-degree weather. Your electricity still not on? <laughs> working in 100-degree weather. Not getting days off. Not getting weekends off. Not getting the 4th of July off. One storm's over and most things are restored and the week later more storms come and more work to be done. No rest for the weary. But do you know what happens? We often complain that we don't have electricity. Our electricity is off. We think we know how they can fix the problem. If they would just cut this tree or repair that line. We blame the system. We blame the people. We focus on what they are not doing. It's an interesting scripture today that comes out of Matthew 11. There seems to be a lot of complaining that the people are blaming Jesus. The people are blaming John the Baptist that whatever they are doing is just not good enough. When people don't want to listen to the truth, they often will make an excuse for not listening to it. So again, in today's scripture, the first couple of verses, 16 through 19, that I'll share in a minute, the people have a problem with John the Baptist. He's isolating himself. He's not hanging around with the people enough. He's he's too far apart. But then on the same hand, they're blaming Jesus for hanging around too much, for hanging around the wrong people and socializing too often. John the Baptist brought people to God like never before. And Jesus' people are finding new life, new purpose, and a new relationship with God that they haven't known. Rather than complaining what they aren't doing, perhaps we should focus more on what they are doing. And even more so, who they are. All the while remembering and 
sharing the promise of rest for the weary. I invite you to keep this in mind as we hear today's scripture. Again, from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, verses, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. Join me in your Bibles. You brought your devices online. Hope you'll join us this morning too. Matthew 11, beginning at verse 16. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say look a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Then looking at verse 25. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed these things to the infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, but no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Rabbis and wise men rejected Jesus. But the simple-minded accepted him. Intellectuals had no use for Jesus. But the humble welcomed him. We learn this in verse 25, but it's careful not to say that Jesus is condemning the intellectual. But what he's talking about is the intellectuals who use their intelligence pridefully. Amazing. Amazing how it is that sometimes the people who are not versed in a subject or profession know so much more than those who are. But in verse 27, look at it if you still have your scripture. In verse 27, we have a key part of the Christian faith, a key proclamation. Jesus makes a claim that's central to our faith. Christ alone can reveal God to men and women. If we want to see what God is like, if we want to see the mind of God, the heart of God, the nature of God, the attitude of God, then just look at Jesus. Just look at Christ. If Christ alone, in Christ alone, we see what God is like. And Jesus is offering that knowledge to anyone who's willing to humble themselves and trust it. You've been traveling this summer, any? Maybe you're online and you're traveling now or on a trip. 
Where do you stop along the way? Do you stop at gas stations, restaurants, or maybe even rest areas? They're nice often, a quick on, a quick out. Most of them have been pretty clean, and on state lines, they found that the hospitality's been stepped up a bit and is pretty nice. When's the last time you had a spiritual rest area stop? A time in your life when it wasn't just a quick on and off, but a time you sat with God, you hung out with God, you let Him refresh you. When we do, we often come out a different person, recognizing it's less about my needs, my wants, what I'm anxious about, and what I do not have, and more about who God is, and what He has, and what He desires for each of us. A sadness that tears my heart every summer are drownings. Last week, you might have heard about Ryan Mallett, former NFL player and former Arkansas quarterback who died in Destin, Florida from a drowning, trying to get to a second sandbar, supposedly. If he looked in the paper at 4th of July, there were multiple drownings in multiple states. Missouri, Minnesota, Pennsylvania had several. In one instance, there was a father who could not swim that rescued his children who could not swim but he didn't make it in high school I was a lifeguard a lot of things they teach us but one that was the hardest but a very important one is when someone is drowning and they have lots of strength and they're, they're flagging around and trying to save themselves or want someone to save them you have to wait you have to wait just to the moment in which they've worn themselves out. And then you can rescue them without risking yourself drowning. It's only when they become weak and exhausted and quit fighting that they can be saved. This story of struggle and exhaustion before deliverance is not only a lesson for lifeguards, but it's a powerful revelation for each of us of what often occurs in our own spiritual journeys. We might feel spiritually exhausted, worn out, weary because we've been trying to survive on our own. We've been trying to please others. We've been trying to serve God by our own efforts and not taking that rest stop. Jesus has great news. In Matthew 11, he declares, Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we yoke ourselves to Christ, he helps carry the load. But here's the catch. We don't give him our yoke. He offers us his. This is huge. Right when we're going through something and the struggles are especially heavy, we often want Christ to come join us. Come on, Christ, and hang on to me while I walk through this. But that's not what Christ is offering here. To join us in our burdens and our yoke, but he's offering us his yoke. For us to join him and to walk with him. During those times, and even not during those times. But to do that, 
there's a catch. We can't put on the yoke of Christ if we have a yoke on ourselves already. We can't accept the yoke that Christ offers us if our yoke is hooked to something else that's not Christ. So here's the question for the morning. Here's the question for us to contemplate. To whom or to what are you yoked? To whom or to what are you yoked? And to whom or what are you yoked? In the scripture, the burdens that Christ is talking about are the burdens of the day and age. The Jewish religion was full of endless rules. These were sometimes known as burdens, and they kept a person in prison of sorts because you had to follow them to the T. This burden of religious obligation was imposed by the scribes and Pharisees, and it had become a barrier to a close relationship, a closer walk with God. The word yoke from the Jewish point of view meant one who enters into submission. For example, one who is submitted to the law, submitted yoked to the commandments. Christ comes to speak of the burdens of life, not the burdens of the law. His yoke is an expression of God's will. The statement that his yoke is easy is not an invitation to an easy life, but of deliverance from artificial burdens that have become these barriers to walking into or being a part of God's kingdom. So Jesus' call to rest is not one to just take a stop. It's not one to just take a deep breath, but it's actually a deeper than that. It's a call to freedom, release, and ultimately salvation. The word yoke in Greek means well-fitting. In biblical times, a yoke was made of wood, and you can imagine it was measured, it was fitted out until it became perfectly laid on the ox. You wanted it to be a good match because if not, the neck would be raw and the ox would not be able to perform its function. Every yoke was tailor-made to fit. Christ is telling us that his yoke fits well. Jesus uses the word gentle. The yoke is not a burden to harm or hurt or drag us down. It's made to fit us just right and to help us. Remind me of the story of a farmer who was plowing his field with a team of oxen. A man came along and noticed one of the animals was seemingly a little bigger than the other one, and he asked the farmer about it. The response from the farmer was new to this man. He said that the big animal was older, he was well-trained, he knew his way around, and he knew his job and his function. But the smaller was new, and he was just coming upon the yoke for the first time. Why was this, the man asked. Well, you see, this is the best ox that I've ever had. He knows his way around. I put him with the young one because it's in him he can learn where to go. Without him, he would have found himself pulling the plow till he was exhausted. But it's in the older ox, not only does he learn what to do, it's in the older ox that he learns to find rest, to trust in the strength of the one who knows more than he does. 
Jesus is the older and the wiser one in the bunch. And he leads us to rest of a more permanent kind. Three ways he offers us this morning. I invite you to follow along and see him. Looking at verses 28 and 29. First, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. To find rest in Jesus, we must meet him personally. Somebody said once that going into a garage doesn't make us a car. Coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. Listening to Christian music doesn't make us a Christian. Just because our parents are a Christian doesn't mean we are one too. We become a Christian by personally accepting Christ for ourselves and making that personal commitment to follow him. And when we do, he never leaves us or forsakes us. It's his grace, his grace that washes away our sin in all situations. You know what's interesting? What's interesting when we come to Christ, we realize something. Christ has been there the whole time. But we're just recognizing and opening our eyes to him. We want Christ to come to us. And he has. But we must be willing to surrender him. To quit fighting him. And then we'll find rest. It doesn't mean our life will be free from struggles. But rest from the burden of earning our way to heaven. From working so hard or trying to do so many good deeds to follow the law. He gives us rest from the heavy weight of sin. Are the circumstances we find ourselves in. Come to me, Christ says. And then he says in verse 29, to take my yoke. To take my yoke. The yoke is tailor-made. Jesus' yoke is one of relationship. A yoke is not made for one person. Have you ever thought about that? The yoke is not made for one person. It's made for two. We're not meant to lead a life apart from God. Each of us is offered this yoke. And it's important to not walk through life alone. The yoke is too heavy for us to carry it by ourselves. So the question again is to what is your yoke tied to? To what is your yoke tied to? The world? Another person? Your circumstances? Or to Jesus? Once our yoke is tied to Christ, then we walk through life together. But let us never forget who the wiser one is. It means Jesus will take us where we need to go, which sometimes is not in the direction that we want to go. But maybe it's where we need to be. In order for that to happen, we have to surrender. Come to me. Take my yoke. And then Christ says, learn from me. For I am humble and gentle in heart. What does it mean to be gentle? To be sensitive, to be compassionate, to be caring and understanding. Humble is not what I'm going to get out of this relationship, but what can I offer to it and through it? What Jesus really says is to give myself. 
the frontline workers during all of the storms and electricity going off have rescued us from hot days and the inconvenience of no electricity. Lifeguards have rescued many from drowning. Each of us have burdens, burdens from which we need to be rescued. Some might just be in shallow water, but some might feel like they're in deep water. Others might feel they just have no power and strength to go on. Jesus takes our heavy burdens, our brokenness from us, and replaces that burden with a burden for caring for others out of love. The amazing thing is, though, is that a burden carried out of love is much lighter than a burden carried out of guilt. A burden carried out of love is much lighter than a burden that's carried out of guilt. Our call to live the life of a messenger of God is clear. Along the way, we must find those rest stops. But instead of working to find rest, let us work out of rest, carried by love. And when we do that, and we can do that, by staying yoked to Christ, even when it gets In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we recognize our need for you. And we recognize in that time and in that relationship and in that moment that we, we tend to fight it. We tend to resist it. We tend to think we don't need it. We can do it on our own. So Lord, this morning I invite us all to lay our burdens in your lap. For your lap is big enough and strong enough to hold and carry them all. To not invite you to join us, but Lord, for us to take the yoke off and say, Hey, Jesus, I want to join you. So Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for going through life, work, school, alone. Help us to recognize you're there. You're here, and you extend the invitation. Lord, as our hearts are stirred, may we be willing to reach out and accept your generous offer. In your name, amen.